Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Top Docs Radio. Brought to you by Hyperbaric Physicians of Georgia, a comprehensive wound resolution, and UHMS accredited hyperbaric medicine practice with four offices to serve you. Find us on the web at www.hbomdga.com. Facebook and Twitter at HBOMDGA. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm C.W. Hall, your host here on Top Docs Radio. I'm the physician liaison for a, a group here in town called Hyperbaric Physicians of Georgia. Um, and I'm really pleased to uh, have you all here on the show today as we kind of round out a series that we've been doing here lately on the treatment of and the survivorship of breast cancer. And um, today I'm going to be rejoined by one of the guests that uh, was with us a couple of weeks ago. We had such a full slate and some great information. We just ran out of time to get it all in, so I brought back Cookie Aftergut, who is the founder of Chemoflage, a breast cancer survivor herself, and uh, actually somewhat of an expert on uh, a topic called chemobrain, which we'll get into in a little bit, but welcome back, Cookie. Thank you so much. And Pleasure. I'm also very pleased to have Karen Burpo. She's the community outreach coordinator for an organization here locally in the Atlanta metro area called Turning Point Breast Cancer Rehabilitation, and she was actually... Um, we we were we learned about Turning Point from one of our guests uh, that was on the same show that Cookie was, who raved about the services that she received as a breast cancer survivor from Turning Point. So welcome, Karen. Um, I'm going to start off uh, our show today getting back into our conversation with, with Cookie. And uh, when we were talking last time, Cookie, you were telling us a little bit about your story. You're a breast cancer survivor yourself multiple times now, if, if, if that's correct. No, just one time. That ah, was enough. I see. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about, just real quickly, what, what, what was your situation? And then we'll go right into what, kind of what led you to starting this uh, resource that is Chemoflage. Okay. I am a breast cancer thriver. I was diagnosed in 2002. I had uh, stage 2 uh, breast cancer. I had a lumpectomy, 8 rounds of chemotherapy, 33 radiation treatments, and then 5 years of medication, uh, preventive med med medication after um, my treatment. Um, I did not find uh, the lump myself. I actually picked, it was picked up on an annual my, mammography. Mm -hmm. uh, I always do my uh, mammographies on my birthday or close to my birthday. It's a reminder to do it. Uh, breast cancer did run in my family. My grandmother passed at uh, age 58. My mother was diagnosed at 70, and then when I was diagnosed, I was 61. Mm -hmm. So um, I was aware that this is something I need to take care of, and so every birthday I, take, I do my test. Um, I would not have felt my lump for many years because it was very deep embedded near my pectoral muscle. Um, once I found it, I took care of it. Uh, I did get another opinion, and I think that's very important to say because women that are diagnosed with breast cancer have the option of, of just checking out all of their uh, uh, treatment plans and, and so forth, and I did get another opinion, and it was determined that I did need chemo because it had invaded one lymph node out of 10. So that's what made me stage two. 
Now tell me a little bit about that. You, you, you talked about that you went and got a second opinion. Um, what sort of physician are you talking about that, you know, that you were, you were meeting with one doctor and they told you, here's your situation, and then you decided that you should probably at least speak with another expert just to confirm what we're talking about? Tell me a little bit about that process. How did it flow for you, and did you go back to the original physician that, uh, that you started with? I did go back to the original. Uh, I, I got my second opinion actually out of town. And it was a breast cancer research that researcher that I went to. Okay. So I once I heard his explanation of what I needed to do, um, and the oncologist that I saw here in town, it was pretty much the same thing. So mm-hmm. it it just gave me that ease of mind to know that uh, I was on the right track. So for our listeners out there who are, you know, maybe they're just newly diagnosed, they're going through this process like, like you were back at that time, how did that flow for you? Did you talk to your initial physician, hey, I'm, I'm just, just for my own peace of mind, I'd like to talk to somebody, or did you kind of do that with your, your, your spouse and decide that you were going to do that on your own? Did you talk about that with your initial doctor? Um, no, no, I really didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not a good, I-, I mean, it is a good idea to do. And any doctor would, uh, any good doctor would be happy for you to, to do this. Um, uh, uh, and also when I went the, to my oncologist here in town, I did ask permission to record what she was saying to me mm-hmm. so that I could go and review it. And That's I think that that is a good idea. And it's also a good idea to have another pair of ears. My husband was with me mm-hmm. when I went. How did that get, how, how was that received? Were, were they okay with that? Absolutely. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's a, I think that's a really useful piece of information because, interestingly enough, when I go back and listen to our shows after the fact, I'm like, wow, I didn't, I, that went right by me in the show. So mm-hmm. I think it would be a very good thing I never would have thought of to take something in and, and kind of be able to go back and actually hear every word that, that my doctor said to me because I can imagine in such a kind of a highly emotionally charged situation as talking about breast cancer, particularly in the early stages, that you might be you know uh, able to miss something that they might say that would be useful to you. Right. And, and Charles, uh, I would like to say that um, my oldest son who lives in Virginia Actually, when he heard my diagnosis, he immediately went on the Internet, got all this information, some good, some not so good. Mm -hmm. And he was very aware that I was going to have to go through chemo well before I was. Um, I think you have to be very careful when you go on the Internet and and select very uh, specific um, uh, sources of information because some of it is really not too good out there. Yeah, I think a lot of it's, you know, because as I've prepared for the shows, I've done some of that myself uh, just to try to kind of learn a little bit about statistics um, and things like that. And the ones that I ended up going to that I felt like were, you know, seemed fairly evidence-based in terms of what they were putting out there was like cancer.org and American Cancer Society. Those are good. Places like that that, Mm -hmm. you know, that are obviously well-known organizations that are going to be really talking about evidence and things like that, not just trying to get people to uh, to look at their page. Right. So you, you went through your diagnosis, and, mm-hmm. and um, you, you became a survivor. Um, and along the way, you know, what kind of resources were discussed with you about, you know, hey, as someone going through this journey, you know, there's some things in the community that maybe you should be involved with to help you emotionally, to help you um, from just a you know day-to-day comfort perspective because there's some resources that I understand out there that, that can help you with all of those things. How did you get to you know 
Well, to be very honest with you, there weren't many resources at that time that I was aware of. And um, I had so many unanswered questions uh, to ask the doctor or or, um, a therapist. To be honest with you, I had a lot of unanswered questions. And I, I didn't even know I had these questions. I didn't know what to ask or who to ask. Mm-hmm. And I did, um, I can say that I did, after my chemotherapy, I did go to a support group that at that time was at St. Joseph Hospital. And uh, I was um, very surprised because it was not a downer, so to speak. It was very uplifting because I met women that had experienced very similar things than I did and those that... um, uh, had experienced other things that I haven't, but it it was a very positive experience for me. However, um, when I finished my radiation, I decided that I needed to be able to share, once I found some, some answers to these questions, uh, I wanted to to be able to share this information with others going down the road. Mm-hmm. So at that time, I went to an existing foundation and uh, explained to them my idea of what I would like to do. And, of course, right away they said, well, it sounds great. We don't have any money for you. And I said, build the stadium. They will come. Mm-hmm. And they gave me three months as a trial period. And um, I actually, um, my husband and I had a tea party for 50 of my friends that helped me through my journey. And for this tea party, instead of buying favors for everyone, he made a nice donation to this foundation to get it off the ground. And at this particular tea party, we put out little uh, notices at every place saying, in honor of your presence, a donation was made to start this new program. Well, within a month, about $1,200 came in. So I knew I had money to work with. Mm -hmm. And as a volunteer, I did this program for two and a half years. And someone nominated me for YoPlay Champion Award during this time. And that's a very prestigious award. They don't even give it anymore, but they did. And they honored 25 women across the United States, uh, people, because there was a young man in our group. They honored 25 people across the United States, ordinary people that do extraordinary things for breast cancer. And why they chose me, Charles, I don't have a clue because I was in such wonderful company. Uh, the lady that designed the breast cancer postage stamp was there. Uh, someone that had raised a million dollars for Susan G. Coleman, she was there. I mean, and, and then there was me. But um, my husband and I went up to New York to get this award, and I knew I was going to have to have my own foundation at that time. Mm-hmm. And YoPlay honored each of us with $1,000. And that $1,000, I asked them to please hold until I became a 501c3 nonprofit foundation. And they were kind enough to do that. So I started uh, Chemoflash with $1,000 from YoPlay. And I developed this program with more of a wellness approach uh, for women that are going through chemotherapy. We're listening to 
Cookie Aftergut, who just founded Chemoflage, an important resource that's available for the breast cancer survivor or the cancer survivor uh, here in the Atlanta metro area. And you're telling us a little bit about how you got started. You got your award for uh, from the YoPlay organization, and they gave you some seed money, if you will, to kind of get things started. And you were forming your 5013C organization and then kind of took off from there. Right. And at my program, it's about a two-and-a-half-hour program. It is a free program for any person experiencing cancer treatment. Uh, I bring in an oncology nutritionist that talks about good nutrition, things that um, you should do and things that you should not do while you're going through chemotherapy, such as... um, you should not eat lox, for instance, because lox is not cooked. And okay. you, your immune system has right. been um, compromised because of chemotherapy. So while you're going through chemotherapy, sushi and lox are things that you should not eat. Wow. No one, I, I, I would have never really probably mm-hmm. have thought of that. That's, that's great information. Um, another thing um, uh, is uh, to <clears throat> wash fruit and vegetables very thoroughly before you prepare them. People do not realize, and I I thought, you know, I was a pretty clean person, but I never, my mother never told me to wash a cantaloupe before I cut it or to wash Mm. a, a pineapple before I cut it. But it only makes sense because the bacteria that's on that fruit is going to go right in the meat of that fruit when you cut it from the outside to the inside. So you've got to really wash these very well before you uh, start cutting into them and before you start eating them. Um, So you really have to be, cleanliness is so important while you're going through chemotherapy because your immune system has been compromised. And we were talking a little bit before we got started this morning about how how do I find out about chemouflage, and you were saying that uh, you've got some relationships with both physician groups as well as some patient resources in the community. Right. Um, uh, I'm fortunate enough to have a couple of very large uh, oncology practices here in town that have my brochures that give them out. Um, and I also have a relationship with uh, a, um, uh, a little boutique that is called A Woman's Place at Northside Hospital and also Bernadette's Hair Salon. And these two places, when patients come in there to start thinking or buying a wig because they know they're going to lose their hair, they are immediately given my brochure by these um people because they feel that it's very necessary for them to come to our meeting. Now, not only do I discuss um, uh, nutrition at our meeting, but I also have a um, uh, oncology uh, oncology social worker that talks about chemo brain and depression. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you about the chemo brain because we we just kind of touched the edge of that last time we were we were together. So you know that that's a memory issue that you can develop sometimes when you're taking chemotherapy medication. Exactly, and there it's a large percentage of people. Uh, I would say uh, probably it's going to affect. 35 or 40 percent of people, and honestly, I think it affects everyone, but maybe they don't realize it. Wow. Um, 
uh, I did not realize that I had chemo brain until one day my husband, one afternoon, he had this very silly grin on his face. And I said, why are you looking at me that way? And he said, well, Cookie, you said the same thing word for word this morning. And I said, I did not. He says, yes, you did. And I thought, oh, my gosh, beside cancer, I've, I'm, I'm developing dementia because <laughs> I, I didn't know what it was that was happening to me. And um, I can tell you that uh, chemo brain, there, it really is something. Mm-hmm. It's almost like um, you feel like you're in a fog. Chemo, they, they sometimes call it chemo fog. But when I was uh, going through my treatment, to be honest with you, Charles, chemo brain was not terminology that was readily used by doctors. Right. They were just beginning to find out that uh, women that had been on tamoxifen after breast cancer treatment were developing short-term memory loss. Now volumes of books are written about right. this condition. I was looking as you know, we got ready for the show. I was you know doing some research here, and, and cancer.org, one of the sites I mentioned earlier, actually has a fair amount of, of information on their page. So if, if somebody's looking for a little bit more information, because it talks about studies and it describes some of the difficulties they have in, in conducting studies just because we don't typically start off with a baseline of what was their memory state and their mental state prior to the, the you know, the element that was causing the change in, the, in right. the chemotherapy. So it makes it a little difficult to study, but they're, they're working in that direction. Well, I know that um, uh, I tell all of my patients they have permission from me to milk chemo brain as long as they need to. (laughs) And this is very helpful when you are over 50 years old and you do have a little short-term memory loss when you can't think of someone's name. So I always, uh, if that happens to me, I always just say, excuse me, I have chemo brain. Please tell me what your name is. And they're happy to do so. Little do they know that it was 11 years ago that I had it. It's okay, (laughs) you know. But um, I think it's something that, we need to be aware of. Uh, also, um, after my chemo treatment, I, as a hobby, I tap dance. And I went back to my classes, and I was struggling to, to just to do a, a very short routine of a couple of sequence of steps. And my teacher knew how frustrated it was for me. But I continued to go to my classes each week. And by the end of the year, I was dancing again. So it doesn't mean that it's forever. Um, it, it's just a temporary condition. Based on what I'm, you know, reading here as I as I look into uh, the issue of chemo brain, one of the things that talks about it because I'm I was curious, well, what can you do about it if you're facing this issue? And it talks about several things, one of which is exercise and exercising your brain in particular by doing things that force you to work on memory or puzzles exactly. or different things that uh, mm-hmm. kind of they have different types of brain exercises, but. Tap dancing, as it happens to be, you're going to have some very, you know, uh, specific sequences of steps and things like that. So you're going to constantly have to focus on that. So unwittingly, you were you were treating yourself with one of the recommended means of, of doing so. So right. that's great. Right. And, and I do recommend that um, people do exercise their brains by um, doing puzzles and Sudoku or, or crossword puzzles, anything that you can do like that. But another good thing to do when you are going through chemo is to use Post-its. 
the little post-it. <laughs> but don't write down a message and leave it at your desk. You've got to put it in an area where you can see it. Now, do you do, do daily lists and things like that, that as well? That is very important. Right. And, you know, after going through chemo treatment, uh, it was um, because I, I multitask all the time. And I would have a list. There might be five things on a list. But after chemo treatment, you've got to be gentle with yourself. Because mm. if you can get one or two things off of that list, you have accomplished something. Your energy level for a lot of ladies uh, or men that are going through chemo is just not the same. So if you can eliminate uh, the pressure of you have to do so many things at one day, um, just do what you can and be happy that you can do one or two things because eventually it will come back your energy level mm -hmm. will come back and so obviously it'd be something that's good to talk to your doctor about just to let them know you're dealing with that but um, as you mentioned you're going to be discussing that with the patients in your programs and now you meet monthly is that correct yes, for your programs um, yes. and on your website you talk about your schedules where you're going to where you're going to be and when you're going to be there right okay that's um, great and i do go four times a year to houston texas uh, and do a program there um, uh, for their many of their cancer patients that are, go to md anderson or other hospitals in texas so talking with you you know as a breast cancer survivor and and then obviously the other ladies that we spoke with um, a couple of weeks ago, one of the patients, uh, Lynn Wyatt, happened to mention in that conversation some of the resources that she had, you know, been looking for. You, you, you know, actually became motivated enough to begin one on your own, which is obviously now helping people learn uh, some excellent information that can improve their situation. Uh, but uh, Lynn talked about the fact that she had undergone a major breast reconstruction uh, after mastectomy and radiation therapy mm -hmm. on more than one occasion. And in that uh, situation for her, she ended up getting recommended for some rehabilitation services, and she um, went to a rehabil rehabilitation facility uh, that's, you know, a traditional rehabilitation facility, um, and then uh, was, you know, making some progress, but not maybe to the extent that she would hope to along the way. And so that kind of brings me to my next guest, Karen Burpo, because um, she raved about uh, Turning Point, breast cancer uh, rehabilitation. And, um, you know, she, she kind of somewhat by, almost by accident, happened to know somebody who was one of your staff there. And so um, she you know, really drove home the fact that if you're a patient that ends up needing some, a breast cancer patient in particular, that needs some rehabilitation services after your treatment, that going to a group like Turning Point uh, is one that could really significantly increase the pace at which you get better as well as it's just overall your experience as a breast cancer patient going through real rehabilitation. Um, it's going to be one that's going to be good to know about. So, you know, that, that brings me to my next guest here. Karen, tell me a little bit about Turning Point. You, you guys have been around since uh, 2003, got started. How did, how did Turning Point come into existence? Turning Point was founded by our executive director, Jill Binkley, who went through breast cancer herself. And she is a physical therapist. And what she discovered was that there was no resource for rehabilitation. And so being a physical therapist, she decided that that was something that she would take on. And so she founded Turning Point. She discovered that people 
were not referred for physical therapy, even though there was overwhelming evidence of the benefits that it provided. Mm -hmm. So she established Turning Point as a nonprofit organization in 2003, and we celebrated our 10-year anniversary last year. And with that, we have moved recently to a new facility and more than tripled our space. So it's an organization that has grown quite a bit since those first days. Obviously, breast cancer is part of your name. So, I mean, is that really the patient group almost exclusively or is it just exclusively for, for breast cancer patients? Because obviously they've got some specific needs. They, they've got some specific therapies um, from the radiation administration as well as the significant reconstruction surgeries that might involve other parts of the body if they're taking flaps for example that involve other muscles so is it really it's exclusively for the breast cancer patient is that right that's right charles it is and what we have discovered is that through through your program last week you highlighted the four different kinds of treatments that women going through breast cancer experience and those are surgery chemotherapy radiation therapy and reconstruction with plastic surgery. Mm -hmm. And many of those physiological effects will adversely impact both body function and ability to just exist in a way that that you're used to existing. And some of the impacts that that we have seen in in our patients are pain and restricted range of motion, weakness and fatigue, and even neuropathy, which is the numbness of fingers and toes, and uh, lymphedema can develop. And the lymphedema that. being where I start having swelling, particularly where I've had radiation, um, a lot of times in the armpit area and extending it's down the arm. It's usually in and, the arm and yeah. in the hand Right. with breast cancer, yes. Because the radiation therapy actually damages the vascular system, including the lymph nodes. Uh, uh, lymphedema can also result from impact from surgery as well when dissection of lymph nodes. Ah, yeah, when they're taking out a whole bunch of them. We're, we're talking with Karen Burpo of Turning Point Breast uh, Rehabilitation Services here on Top Docs, and uh, we're getting to know a little bit about how uh, Turning Point came into existence. Um, we, we, what kind of things are going to happen for me as a patient there? I mean, are there, what, what sorts of special treatments am I going to receive there? I noticed that on the website you, you have a lot of information about the various things, including massage and, and um, things like that. So, you know, what can I expect to, to receive there that's kind of aimed at me, the breast, pa- breast patient? Well, all of our patients come to us through physical therapy referrals. And any patient that comes in is then um, available to take advantage of any of our other services that we offer, and those include lymphedema screening and treatment, nutrition counseling, exercise consultation, therapeutic massage, and obviously the physical therapy, and as well as counseling. And then we have ongoing educational programs that we offer for our patients as well as for the medical community. Given the emotional component of dealing with breast cancer, um, or any kind of cancer, really, for that matter. But I, I think, you know, because it's kind of a uh, it's part of the womanhood, if you will, it adds a, a, an element of uh, emotional and, and, and mental stress to right. to the process. So I can imagine that if I'm a patient, then, and yes, I'm going to have some physical needs. I need to get back my range of motion. I need to maybe try to reduce the swelling in my arm and hopefully be able to reduce the level of pain that I feel. But to, I can just imagine that if I'm also getting my emotional needs 
addressed by patient. I looked at your your your, your staff bios, and and a number of your your folks have been through breast cancer treatment themselves. So I can imagine how uh, empathetic that everybody can be that they're dealing with because we, we know what you're going through. I've gone through it myself. I, t you know, tell me about that. How, how does that impact your patients as they come in? It seems like if you look at the testimonials that you have on the website, it's just a kind of an emotional, almost epiphany once they get to you. Well, many of our patients feel that way. And um, Lynn, who you had on your program a couple of weeks ago, yeah. is, yeah, is she's a, a great example. She is a great example of how enthusiastic many of our patients have become once they have found Turning Point. I'm a former patient myself, mm -hmm. and I didn't find Turning Point until a little bit later on in the game. And that I regret that because I didn't understand and I wasn't educated about the importance of exercise and nutrition in the recovery. But many, many of our patients are, feel like it's just an oasis for them. They come and they say, this is not like any other medical office that I'm going to right now. You all are so kind. The atmosphere is very warm and welcoming. Mm -hmm. And we try to address, our physical therapists try to address more than just the physical therapy needs. So while they're administering physical therapy, they're also talking to the patients and finding out, you know, what are you doing? How are, how's your treatment going if they're still in treatment? And they provide a wealth of information. I know I found out so much by going for my own physical therapy treatments and answers to questions I didn't even know I had. So you ultimately became a patient eventually of a turning I, point. I was a patient about eight years ago. Would you would you be interested in sharing a little bit about your story? I mean, I know the patients listening certainly have enjoyed learning about it. Uh, we, we, we can if you like. I mean, I, I, know, I know it ties right into what you're talking about. Right. What, what was your experience? You ended up, did you go through rehabilitation services in a traditional setting before you ended up with with turning point or I, I I don't believe that I did I'm trying to kind of remember back I I was diagnosed in 2005 in on Valentine's Day in wow. fact which is always in my brain and also received a new diagnosis the next two February so for three years in a row I got new cancer diagnoses and I went through multiple rounds of chemotherapy and radiation therapy along in those, as my husband says, 30 months of hell that mm -hmm. we went through. And I didn't find turning point till later on in the game. I was having shoulder pain and I was having range of motion issues. And I blessedly did find turning point and went to therapy there. But it didn't stop there because once I regained those those issues, I became sold on the whole concept and continued to attend education events, lunch and learn sessions that were offered, and um, exercise class that was offered. So I have, I've been affiliated with Turning Point for, for quite a while. And a couple of years ago, I was lucky enough to join the staff there. So even before, as a patient, you became a champion, much like Lynn did. That really says a whole lot about the uh, patient experience um, with Turning Point. And I'm really pleased to have you here to be able to, to help the community understand that you're here um, and to try to learn a little bit about how do, they, how do I get to you. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned the fact that one of, my, one of my doctors is probably going to say at some point, if I particularly have had reconstruction or maybe some radiation or both, that I need 
rehabilitation. Um, and it sounds like some of them were beginning to learn that you're here and that you're a good resource. I noticed uh, on the website, it talked about 300 new patients last year. It's a right. pretty big problem across the country, obviously, and, and here locally too. So a lot of people need your services. That is true. Unfortunately, breast cancer is very, very prevalent in our society. And um, we are we enjoy a very warm and respected, on mutually respected relationship with the doctors here in town. And we have no problem with referrals from many, many doctors in all of the specialties that treat uh, breast cancer. And um, the, the issues that the patients face are not always even understood by the patient. You know, when they go into their doctor, they may say, you know, I just don't feel right or I'm, I'm too tired. I don't understand what's going on. And many of the doctors are now smart enough to realize that if they become more physically active, then because exercise is one of the best preventions of recurrence of breast cancer, mm. Which and that's that's been studied that I guess that, that makes is sense. It that strengthens it is. your immune system and so forth. Yeah. So so we highly encourage our patients as they're going through their therapy to get back into possibly an exercise program that you know they may have felt like they couldn't do. I I personally didn't understand the value of it. I didn't understand that even going through treatment that I should be continuing to exercise. You're listening to Karen Burpo of Turning Point Breast Rehabilitation Services. She's the clinical outreach coordinator for this organization. We're learning a little bit about her story as a breast cancer survivor, and you'll find if you end up being a patient there that many of their staff are also breast cancer survivors, so they know very well what you're going through. Um, and even those who aren't, obviously, are very tuned in to the specific needs that you would have as a breast cancer survivor when you're coming for rehabilitation services there. And we talked a little bit about before we got started today that uh, Turning Point is also a 5013C. It's a charitable organization, so um, you, you get some funding from outside sources, um, you know, in the community and kind of rely on those to be able to provide care to people that may not be insured. But uh, as we discussed before, um, if I have an insurance plan and I get referred for rehabilitation services and I choose to go uh, to Turning Point uh, for my care, my insurance might pay for, for that if I'm insured. Is that is that correct? That's true. We we bill insurance, insurance companies for physical therapy, and most insurance plans will cover some part or all of the physical therapy. Mm -hmm. and, and obviously one of the benefits of being a charitable organization is you have some resources that you make available for the patients who come to you that are dealing with breast cancer and need rehabilitation, but maybe their insurance plan is one of those that doesn't cover re rehabilitation, or maybe they're uninsured, so they they don't have to think, oh, I can't I can't go to Turning Point. I don't have insurance, or my insurance won't cover that. That's true. Turning Point was founded with the aim of removing any barrier to treatment that women might face, be they financial or otherwise, and we enjoy a wonderful relationship with the Susan Komen Foundation, It's the Journey, the Walmart Foundation, and several others, and they provide funds, and we have now established a financial assistance program, and that is taken advantage of by 40 to 45 percent of our patients. And many of our patients may have insurance, but they have encountered so many out-of-pocket expenses associated with all their treatment and mm -hmm. all the issues that they're going through. 
and they may just need a temporary help. But we do offer financial assistance for um, all of our services. However, many of our services are complementary. Most all the education programs are complementary. Our counseling program is complementary as well. And there's are there support services like uh, you know like groups, uh, a group type meeting where I can come and and be around uh, other breast cancer survivors there. Or we do. We have a uh, support group called Coffee and Conversation that meets monthly, and this is for women with metastatic breast cancer. Do Stage I have to be a patient to, of Turning Point to, to be a part of that group? Yes. Okay. You you would have been a patient to go through an initial screening okay. to join the group. And, and like scheduling and all of that is talked about on your website, which actually has some great information on a variety of topics there. Right. Okay. Well, you know, We've talked about the fact that there are traditional rehabilitation services out there, and you're aimed specifically at the the, the breast cancer uh, patient. Along the way, it sounds like you you've begun to develop some practices that are really kind of guiding how we do things for the breast cancer patient as it relates to rehabilitation. Would that be correct? That's exactly right, Charles. We have completed a study with the American Cancer Society a couple of years ago that established a prospective surveillance model. And what that means is there is now a model of care recommended by the American Cancer Society for rehabilitation associated with women going through breast cancer. And it starts with pre-surgery evaluation to get some baselines, but it also includes all the way through the cycle. And along with that, we have turning point is the gold standard and and is is the center of excellence for this model and we implement it we we are practicing this model we have interns or other physical therapists coming to visit us spend a week with turning point from all around the world we've had one from london one from the bahamas we've had people from all over the united states come and learn how turning point is actually implementing this model of care so and there's so, starting to be programs that are kind of dedicating or either a new entirely focused program out there or, or there's traditional programs that are realizing that maybe we need to have an element of our traditional program that is facing that cancer patient. You're, that's you're, you're, that's you're right. to influence the model all the, way, all the way across the board. Well, we're setting the best practices for this kind of, of treatment. And last fall, we held a national conference in conjunction with the oncology section of the American Physical Therapy Association to educate healthcare professionals in rehabilitation for breast cancer. And it was attended from people all over the country. We had speakers from all over the country here in Atlanta, and it was very well received. So we will be doing that on an ongoing basis then? We will. We Part of our mission is to advocate for the, the rehabilitation component of breast cancer treatment. And so we're trying to raise awareness that there is a need for it as well as that it's a specialty. So all of our therapists are specially trained and are very familiar with all the side effects associated with breast cancer treatment so that they can target the therapies for our patients exactly to fit their needs. If I'm going to need rehabilitation services after my care, 
kind of what's my clinical experience like in terms of the the amount of you know my schedule how, how frequently will i come for care um and typically i mean i realize you know depending on what your what your rehabilitation is for um i would imagine it varies but i mean is there kind of a rough length of time that uh you know typically once a week for eight weeks? How does it usually flow for me as a patient? Well, as you say, it's very different for each patient, but the initial evaluation, uh, the first appointment that a patient would come in for, they will meet one-on-one with their physical therapist, as they will with all their appointments, and they will go through an, uh, an assessment. They'll provide some information as well as the therapist will do an examination, and together they come up with a very personalized course of care to treat that specific patient. Generally, at the very beginning, they may be seen twice a week to, to sort of help reinforce the, uh, the exercises, any kind of things that they can do at home. And then it usually tapers off to perhaps once a week over a period of six to 10 weeks, up to six months sometimes. It, it just really varies. And as our women are being treated as they're going through treat, going through their other treatments, they may develop something else along the way. So sometimes women come back to us after a while when they have something new develop. I noticed on the website that you actually encourage you know family members to accompany the the patient there for we their, their care, and mm-hmm. so they can also be the extra set of ears that Cookie was talking about earlier um, to also be able to remember to ask certain questions because I can just imagine if if I'm here, I've got all these things that I've got to think about. It you might miss something, so it's it's great to be able to have a support person come with you and to be there with you and That's actually right. kind of be engaged in the process a little bit. I imagine it probably goes a long ways to allay the stress that everybody feels with that. Right. Some of our patients aren't driving yet, so they have somebody bring them, generally a family member, and we do encourage them to participate or to come and attend the sessions with them because they can help remind them what their homework is if they have some and uh, encourage them to be doing it along the way. It, it makes, you know, the, the things that I learned about you as I kind of prepared for the show uh, with regards to your attention to the emotional state of the patient, they're acknowledging that they're potentially going to have some uh, body image uh, issues, that their family is a part of this process as well. I mean, it really makes your tagline of care, compassion, and clinical excellence make sense. Right. Um, you know, Tell me about that. Is that a you know? When, how did you guys arrive at that? Did would, was that uh, have, has that been with you from the beginning? No, I believe it. We we sort of gelled on that concept a couple of years ago as we were trying to kind of capture the essence of what Turning Point is about, and we are practicing clinical excellence in that everything we do is evidence based. It is all based on very current research in the field of physical therapy as well as in the field of breast cancer. but And we're providing care for the entire person, but we do it in such a compassionate atmosphere. And I think that's what so many of our patients respond so positively to. And many patients say, you know, I don't want to I don't, if they're discharged, they say, but I still want to come back. And we encourage them to return for education events and and other ways that they can still participate with Turning Point. But I think that that is what makes Turning Point so unique and so 
well thought of by our patients is that combination. I, I sometimes say we have the combo package. You know, we have the whole thing wrapped in one, and we're a medical office unlike any other medical office that most people are going through. I'd like to comment just for a moment. Um, I was fortunate enough to also go to a turning point. I, I went for rehab for um, just to check to see if I had lymphedema or didn't, and thank goodness I didn't, but I had massage therapy. And then later on, I I was the type of person that liked to get massages, but for so many years, I, I was afraid to get a massage because I was afraid someone would stir up lymphedema if they didn't know what they were doing mm -hmm. by putting too much pressure on my body. So uh, for years, I didn't get massages until I realized that they did have massage therapy at Turning Point. So I treat myself, uh, try to go every month to get a massage. I, I and I can go and not worry about that. But I did, uh, I would like to say this because this is something that has not been brought up before. And that is when you have gone through your chemo treatment, your radiation, and you're really through with your basic treatment for cancer, so many women have a downslide a emotional downslide because their doctors are releasing them. I saw something about that. that it was something I wouldn't necessarily think about. Right. That I'm done. We're, we're done now. I'll see you in a year. Yeah. Uh, or uh, th every three months. Usually it's every three months and then it's every six months and then it's once a year. And and same thing uh, with mammographies, you know, twice a year and then it, it becomes once a year. And that is a very scary time, and that's when so many patients will um, get depressed because they are being released and they're thinking, well, what am I doing to prevent this from coming back? So I did attend an educational um, a session at a turning point to discuss this, and it's something people just don't normally think about. But... Um, talking about, a little bit talking about depression. Depression is a very common issue while you're going through chemotherapy because truthfully your your body has been, um, it has been given drugs that just put you off balance. And women need to recognize if they need help or not. Uh, if you cry after getting a diagnosis and you're starting chemotherapy, that's pretty normal. But if you cry every single day, that is not normal. And if you feel that you are um, uh, withdrawing yourself from things that you really enjoy doing or people that you really enjoy being with, this is another very big indication that you might need a little help. Now, I am not a pill pusher by any means because before cancer, I very rarely took an aspirin. But when I experienced this feeling of helplessness, not hopelessness, but helplessness, because I was always the type of person that did for everyone else. And when I had to be on the receiving end, it was very difficult for me. And I felt extremely helpless. I, I couldn't put dinner on the table for my husband. I just couldn't do these things. I was so fatigued. Well, I called my doctor about it, and they said, well, Cookie, I think you need a happy pill. I said, okay, for someone who never took medication before, 
what's another pill? And once I, I took an antidep- a very low dose of antidepressants, then it gave me a feeling of like one day after a couple of weeks of taking the medication, a window opened and some fresh air came in. And I was able to con- just be my happy old self. Now, mind you, I still couldn't put dinner on the table for my husband, but frankly, my dear, I didn't give a damn. And it just chilled me enough to get over that hump. And I, I feel like women need to know that they're, if they are experiencing that, doctors want them to have as easy a journey as possible. We've been talking with Cookie Aftergut of Chemouflage and Karen Burpo of Turning Point Breast Rehabilitation Services about some excellent resources that are available here in the Atlanta community, and hopefully uh, similar organizations are, are coming into availability for patients elsewhere. sounds like uh, some of We're the things you're those. doing <laughs> are actually influencing mm-hmm. uh, what's going on elsewhere, which is outstanding. So I'm very pleased to have these two ladies here with us today to talk a little bit about their experiences as breast cancer survivors. And they're giving some excellent information for the ladies and the fa- families of these ladies in the community who are dealing with breast cancer. And Cookie, you were talking a little bit about here um, more recently before the reset that you were, you know, experiencing some depression yourself. You 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 talked to somebody about it. They recommended that you have at least a, a little bit of a, a medication to help you through that. And you're saying that that kind of did help bring it you did. back a little bit closer to the normal for your emotional. It absolutely state. did. And there's really no. Um, you should never feel shameful that you have to take something. I'm not on it now, but um, you should, if you're feeling that way, doctors want you to have uh, as easy a journey as possible. And if that means that you need to take a little medication for your mood, it's advisable to take it for at least a year. And then I wean myself off and, you know, I'm back to pretty much my normal self. Now, when you when you weaned yourself off, I take it we did that in conjunction with uh, with our doctor being oh, aware, yes. and we're oh, yes. giving you an idea how to do that because obviously you need to do that in a specific way. Right. That's great to know that you were able to both achieve a little bit better emotional state with some help. Yes. Uh, and that you didn't have to continue on that same track. It just kind of got you over the, the the intense portion of dealing with now what. Right. So, you know, I, I get, can't get over how quickly our time goes by as we're here on these shows and I'm talking to these uh, folks about uh, breast cancer. It's just amazing to me how fast our time goes. And so before we run out of time, I want to, you know, get from each of you, um, you know, obviously talking to your provider if you're experiencing some, you know, heavier than uh, normal emotional uh, feelings on a daily basis, particularly that aren't getting better, we want to get talk to somebody about the possibilities of am I depressed and do I need some help for that but other things cookie before we you know talk about how to get in touch with you any kind of parting thoughts on what you really want the audience to really think about or know information they can really take away from today well I love this expression um, and that is um, when there's a storm learn to dance in the rain And I think that that is very important for women that are going through chemotherapy. Uh, You you know, I I meet with these newly diagnosed patients each month. And when I meet them, um, 
uh, I always say we're we're we really didn't want to be in the sorority that we're in, but we are. <laughs> you got drafted. <laughs> yes, and we just have to make the best of it. And I I hope that the patients that attend our sessions go away with knowing that this is a temporary thing that they're going through, and for the most part, uh, they will be able to return to their life, and it will be a better life. I can tell you. And as strange as this might sound, that um, my cancer treatment was really a gift to me because I existed a very nice life for 61 years. Now I am living a very nice life. And there is such a big difference. Mm -hmm. The birds did not have my address because I never heard them before. And now I go outside and it's a symphony out there. You're going to make me misty saying that I can really relate to what you're saying. And it's, uh, I think that's an excellent thing to, uh, to say to the person out there who is struggling uh, with a situation where, in this case, we're talking about breast cancer. But I think that applies to so many situations in our life that come along that, uh, you know, that weren't anticipated and are, that are less than ideal. So tell our listeners out there real quickly before we get the same kind of uh, great information from Karen, uh, how we get in touch with you. You have a website. I do. My website is www.chemoflage.com. And uh, you can certainly look at our website and you can respond uh, by getting on that site. I'm following you on Facebook. Okay. I I am uh, mentally challenged when it comes to Facebook, but I do have a Facebook page as well. Yeah, there's some information there. Um, any any other ways that they need to get in touch with you? Um, I don't think so. I think that's okay. basically it. Well, Karen, you know, same to you. Before we run out of time here, you know, for your for your patients and listeners, even you know, providers out there, whoever you you need to talk to, what what is the the takeaway message for you that you really want to have somebody out there that's listening understand, whether they're a patient or a family member or a physician, whoever it may be that needs this? Probably, I'd like to stress the importance of of treating the whole person. Um, studies show that only about one out of five patients are even recommended for any kind of rehabilitation mm -hmm. for breast cancer patients. And generally, 60% of breast cancer patients experience at least one moderate to severe side effect of their treatment up to six months, at, six years, I'm sorry, after their surgeries and treatment. So the need for this and the benefits that can be enjoyed from rehabilitation are are what I'd like people to really understand and and to appreciate. Well, it's been uh, obviously very powerful to hear from more than one patient now. Um, in addition to the mul multiple testimonials that you have on your website, people are saying great things about you and their experience when they get to Turning Point Breast Rehabilitation Service. So um, I'm certainly pleased to be here helping you, you know, get the word out about mm -hmm. what you're doing and obviously with chemouflage as well. Obviously, we've talked about your website. You've got, got a website. Tell us, how do we get in touch with Turning Point if I'm trying to get some information? Our website is myturningpoint.org. And we have a brand new video from 2014 that's on our website. Under, it's excellent. I watched it. Under About Us. <laughs> and um, it's fresh, up-to-date, and really, I think, captures the essence of how special and how unique our and, practice is. And you're on Facebook as well, right? We are on Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest. Pinterest as, as well. Yes. Do you want to share those uh, addresses? 
they're all Turning Point BCR, Breast Cancer Rehabilitation. Okay, so, so Turning Point BCR, right. and you'll find Turning Point BCR on Twitter, Pinterest, and Facebook? That's correct. Okay, great. I'll, I'll certainly be linking up with all of those on my social media sites. Um, you can find us in a couple of places. I'm on Twitter at Top Docs on BRX, which is for Business Radio X. So find us on Twitter at Top Docs on BRX. Um, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash top docs on BRX. And then of course my day job when I'm not on the microphone is physician liaison for hyperbaric physicians of Georgia. And you can find information about our wound and, uh, hyperbaric medicine services at HBOMDGA.com. We've also got a Facebook page for them and Twitter as well. And it's also the same, uh, like you guys did, we, we, we went the same way. So on Twitter, we're also HBOMDGA. And on Facebook.com slash HBOMDGA. So please link up with us there, like us there. You're going to be able to find out great information uh, just like what we had here today. Hopefully you can share it with your networks because I can assure you that somebody either directly related to you or a step or two away from you is dealing with something we're going to be talking about here on Top Docs Radio. So please, please, please. Help us get the word out about all of these great resources that we have here in the community. I want to say thank you very much to Cookie Aftergut of Chemoflash. Thank you. As well as Karen Burpo of, of Turning Point. Thanks so much for coming out today on your busy schedules. It's been excellent having you here. I'm, I'm it's pleased our pleasure to, have, to be here. Yeah, it's, it's been great to have you as a guest. And, and we'll uh, be right back here next week on Thursday at 12 o'clock Eastern. And uh, please join us then and share with all your friends. We'll see you next week.